Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in here to the 10 of 12 podcast. I am your host, Ryan Gilbert. Today here on the show, we are going to be talking some Big 12 basketball bracketology. Uh, the calendar is almost coming up to March, so it's a perfect time to talk about where these teams stand as they uh, get ready for Selection Sunday here in just a few weeks. Boy, this season has flown by. I mean, we're already we're already nearing March, and it feels like just yesterday we were starting the season. Um, I know things have been weird with COVID, but I think we got to be grateful and thankful that we even got a season here in the Big 12 Conference. It was full of ups and downs. I know a lot of teams, you know, Baylor, uh, for example, had a ton of games canceled, but at the end of the day, uh, looks like if you want to go dancing, you can go dancing. There's not, not going to be any COVID restrictions on that up in Indianapolis. So we'll just be talking about where these teams kind of stand, kind of giving my thoughts and opinions, um, maybe as to what teams need to do better moving forward to, to better themselves for Selection Sunday in March Madness. But we'll also just be kind of looking at the overall resumes, um, the net rankings, the quadrant one wins, all that stuff here, um, and kind of giving a nice rundown of where they stand as they get ready uh, for March Madness. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at 10 of 12 podcast. I'd appreciate that very much. You can stay up to date with everything that's going on around the Big 12. Um, you can, I'd, I'd love that uh, very much. But real quick before we get into each individual team, because that's pretty much what we'll be doing. We'll just dive into each team. Uh, we'll start with Baylor and go down the line from there as far as the seedings go. But real quick, here, this, this is going to be an interesting March Madness for the Big 12 overall. I think if you've watched a single game on, on ESPN or something like that, you've heard the announcers talk about how good this conference is. You know, it's been like that for years. All the ratings, the net rankings, BPI, RPI, Ken Palm, always ranking, you know, this conference number one year in and year out. So that's not much of a surprise to anyone. But moving forward into March Madness, I'm curious how these teams are going to play out. And the Big 12 is obviously good this year. Baylor is one of the best teams, if not the best team in in the country. So it's a good league. There's no doubt about that. But it's really going to come down to what can Texas do in March Madness? Oklahoma, you know, KU, Texas Tech, West Virginia. What can these middle upper teams, you know, do in March Madness? If, if they can, if they can succeed, then yeah. I certainly do think that the Big 12 was the best conference this year. But if this is one of those seasons, like we've seen in the past, where the Big 12 only gets one, you know, two, let's say three teams outside of the first weekend, how good was this conference this year? I mean, I think that when it's all said and done, we'll be able to address that answer. But uh, right now, Big 12 certainly looks like the best. Moving forward, we'll keep an eye on how these teams can perform, actually, um, in the big dance. We've got, what, three or four games left apiece for each of these teams as they prepare for March Madness. We'll, we'll start it off with Baylor here. Uh, like I just said a minute ago, man, if not, they're, they're one of the best, if not the best team in college basketball. There's no doubt about that. If you look at what they've done, um, you really cannot dispute that. They're number two overall 
in in ESPN's bracketology right now. Of course, Gonzaga's number one. Um, the COVID issues as of late. I'm I'm curious as to what that can do moving forward for Baylor. Okay, they missed. Um, I think they missed four or five games there last week and the week before, and then overall on the season they've missed I think ten or eleven games from COVID. And you know people are angry. I wouldn't say angry, but people are kind of frustrated. Um, and wanting some answers as to why Baylor gets to cancel their games while other teams are forced to play when they're short-handed. And that's a good point. You know, K-State here in Manhattan, I saw them play Oklahoma State with six scholarship players, whereas other teams here get kind of a free pass to cancel some of their games. So I get the frustration with that. However, I've heard from a few different people that Baylor truly was hit hard from COVID. Uh, multiple players were testing positive for the Bears recently, so uh, they... You know this was a, this was legitimate, okay? And we saw that against Iowa State the other night. I mean, Baylor was down double digits to the Cyclones, and I mean, you can make an argument K State's the worst team in the Big Twelve, but Iowa State's certainly down there near the bottom with the Wildcats. So that kind of just it, it shows you what you need to know how much of an impact COVID can have on a season like this, okay? Obviously, Baylor's going to beat Iowa State no matter what, and they came out on top, right? I don't think that there was any doubt in my mind. You know, I was looking at ESPN's uh, matchup predictor during that game when it was like a double-digit Iowa State lead and it still had Iowa, it still had Baylor winning by like 90-some percent. So, you know, I don't think there was any ever, you know, doubt in that game simply because that was a case of the varsity squad going up against the JV team. Baylor's just that good. Um, but it shows that they were rusty, they were slow, they were out of shape, they hadn't practiced in weeks, right? And that kind of, in a microcosm, is what's been going on to a lot of these teams this season. It, there's no, it, it's it's not a, a crazy funk that, that Kentucky and Duke and Kansas and all these Blue Bloods are not good this year. It's because they haven't had a normal season. I've talked about it a ton on Go Power Cat, you know, speaking with K-State, how they've simply been um, affected a ton by this COVID being such a young team. I mean, heck, Baylor, we're talking about the Bears. That team has an older, their starting lineup is older than that of the Chicago Bulls. So if that doesn't tell you, um, you know, of course, that's one of the best teams in the country. So if that doesn't tell you kind of the impacts that COVID's having, um, I don't know what will. Obviously, it's no excuse for any of these teams. But uh, overall, man, Baylor, there's not a lot to say about this team because they're going to be a one seed. I mean, even if they lose out the rest of their games, I don't see how the Bears don't end up on the one line. Um, right now, they're, of course, like I said, according to Joe Lenardi, the number two uh, overall seed in, in March Madness. But, you know, there's not a lot to say, man. You know, this team's going to be in the one seed line. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's no doubt about that, uh, even if they lose all their games going forward. Um, obviously, excited to see what they can do to represent the Big 12 as the league's top team. Uh, certainly should be fun to follow the Bears. So not much else to say about them. We'll go down the line here. Um, and next up is West Virginia. Uh, the Mountaineers currently sitting at the three seed line. Um, I will point out here that West Virginia, I've, I've, I've always been a little skeptical on them, but they are, you know, all six of their losses this season have been quadrant one losses. So obviously there's no such thing as a good loss, but, you know, to lose, you know, some games that are tough and to win, that's the biggest key. West Virginia has won every game that it has needed to win this season. So West Virginia, I think, is in a good position to be, uh, I would say their floor right now is the 4-5 line, their ceiling. They can maybe climb up to a 2, but right now I think a 3 seed is appropriate for what they've done. Net rankings got them at 14, Kempom at 17, and BPI at 22. So you're in, good posi- you're in a good position if you're West Virginia and Bob Huggins. There's no doubt about that. 
I think it speaks it's it speaks volumes as to how good of a coach Bob Huggins is. Uh, you know, our Oscar Shibway, which has been the biggest storyline revolving around that program this season. You know, left the team, goes to Kentucky, had his personal off the court issues, you know, what have you. So he's gone, and a lot of people kind of wrote the Mountaineers off. You know, we always were hearing about the Twin Towers with. With, uh, with Culver and Shibway, when Shibway left, everyone says, oh, that's not going to be a thing anymore. West Virginia's going to fall off a little bit. No, they've actually gotten better addition by subtraction for Bob Huggins and the Mountaineers. Um, and that's what a good coach does. You know, we'll talk about Oklahoma next, making adjustments in the season. Bill Self is, um, you know, great at it. Not, a, not only in season, but in the games as well. Making those adjustments are key uh, to being a successful coach in this league. Bob Huggins um, was able to work around the the absence of, of Oscar Shibway. And honestly, if you're not with us, you're gone. You know, if you're not 100% bought in, and that's probably Bob Huggins' strength as a coach, you know, if you're not bought in, you're gone. You know, we've seen it numerous times, I, you know, every throughout the years, I could go on and on about players that, you know, Teddy Allen, who went to Wichita State, wasn't bought in, boom, he's gone. You know, um, you know what, the big man, Sags Canante, <laughs> his name escaped my head a little bit. He wasn't really with the team, and Bob Huggins wouldn't put up with that. So, uh, overall, man, you know, West Virginia's, uh, again, in a good position here. They've gotten better as the season has gone on, even without Sheboy, and that's something that I, coming into the season, um, that I was I was pretty skeptical about the Mountaineers as they as they progressed throughout the season. Last season, the Mountaineers started out 6-3 and three in Big 12 play and then finished 9-9. Nine and nine. So they kind of fell off a little bit. They couldn't win a road game. I believe they were 2-7. and seven on the road in the Big 12 last season. You might have to fact-check me on that one. But this season, they're 9-4, right? They had a good, a good, strong start to conference play. And then my question was, hey, are they going to get better? Are they going to get stagnant? Are they going to decline? They've gotten better as the season has progressed. They're 9-4, and four, and they're certainly in a good position. And, and going back to last season as well, I think their Achilles heel was not having enough scores on their team. Um, this season, they've got the scores, man. You know, Deuce McBride has stepped up in a big way. Um, obviously, we know what Culver can do down low. Taz Sherman's been huge for Bob Huggins. And if you go back to last season, they just didn't have the guys who could score. You know, Jermaine Haley comes to mind as a guy that could defend, facilitate the floor, but just couldn't get you a bucket when you need it. Same thing with Jordan McCabe, who can, a, a fine point guard who can facilitate, but just can't really get you that bucket. His minutes this year have stepped back, uh, and the, the progression for the Mountaineers have stepped forward with that. So they've got the playmakers they need. Um, and things appear to be coming together for Bob Huggins in West Virginia at this time. Um, like I said, man, they're on the three-seed line. That's probably where they'll end up, barring an upset. They've got Baylor coming up soon. That's a huge game for the Mountaineers to get a signature win. Um, and, and that's a good time because Baylor, like I mentioned just a minute ago, man, they're, they're going to be down. They're going to be fatigued, out of shape from this whole COVID situation that's been going on in Waco um, so West Virginia is in a good position to make some steps forward as they head into into March Madness. Next team we'll talk about here is Oklahoma. This is a team I just saw the other night here in Manhattan, uh, live and in person. And I've I've seen I've seen basically every team in the Big Twelve besides Kansas and Iowa State now, um, and I'll see Iowa State next weekend in Bramwich. But Oklahoma didn't impress me. Uh, I don't want to be critical of the Sooners because I know they've had their COVID issues as well. Uh, but that team did not look like the seventh best team in the country. Is that a top 25 team? Sure. Is that a top 20, 15? You can make an argument, sure. 
but that's not a top 10 team. I'm sorry. That was that was just not a top 10 team. How is this team? I, I, I give them credit for, for the wins they've gotten. I'm not trying to say they're a bad team. That's just not an elite team. Okay, that's not the Trey Young, Oklahoma that we saw a few years back. That's not the Buddy Heald, Oklahoma, you know, with Ryan Spangler that we saw a few years before that. Okay, that's not what this is. Oklahoma's a, a solid team. Austin Reeves was going off. He's certainly a special talent in the league. There's no doubt about that. Um, and I do want to be fair here to the Sooners. Brady Manick, who um, who I really have thought highly of you know, with his time at Oklahoma, he's kind of taken a step back here this season, I think largely due to his COVID issues. I mean, after COVID, Manick wasn't the same. I think he only missed a few games, but um, after that, he just hasn't been the same. And, and Manick took a step back and the Sooners kind of took a step forward. Lon Kruger, um, like I just talked about with, with Bob Huggins in West Virginia, made adjustments in the middle of a season. That's what a good coach does. That's what a tenured coach does, like Lon Kruger. He's gone small. Elijah Harkless has really stepped up his game. He was getting maybe 5, 10, 15 minutes a game in the non-con. Um, once Brady Manick on out, went out with COVID, Harkless has been getting closer to 35 minutes a game. So, I think he's only like 6'3 or something like that. So Lon Kruger's gone small. It's definitely helped out the Sooners more than it's hurt them. Uh, and really just a good move by Kruger. But at the same time here, I, I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth. I'm teeter-tottering on the Sooners. Um, a good team, sure. Are they a great team? No. I think moving forward into March Madness, I don't see that team as one with a high ceiling. And I know Lon Kruger's taken his teams to Final Fours in what was that four or five years ago so it, he can do it he it, it can happen I'm not saying it can't happen but at the same time I don't see Oklahoma near that team with Buddy Heald nowhere close right now the rankings got him at uh, 28 in the net rankings 31 in Ken Palm and then the BPI's got him at 24 so the rankings like Oklahoma a little bit I, I would say not as much as a team like Texas a team like Texas ranks higher in every category so does Kansas. So does Texas Tech. So we'll, we'll talk about those teams in just a second. But I'm with the rankings. Oklahoma doesn't impress me a whole lot. Um, you know, they're kind of squeaking by some of these games here um, down the stretch. And, and like I said, I saw them in Manhattan. And K-State's had a, a train wreck. I wouldn't call it a train wreck. It's been it's been a frustrating season, but it's gotten better for K-State. But with, if K-State's able to beat you, not a good sign. Not a good sign if you're Oklahoma. So moving forward, I think they'll be okay. I think they can have a chance to escape the first weekend of the tournament, but I don't see them making it past the Sweet 16 if they do so because they're going to be on that three line. They're going to have to face a two seed you know, right there in the Sweet 16. I don't see them getting past the Illinois or Michigans of the world, whoever those two seeds may be um, in March Madness. So, you know, like I said, I've kind of said everything I need to say. I think Oklahoma is a pretty vanilla team in the Big 12. Are they good? Sure. Are they great? No. Um, you know, they're kind of just, they're, they're who they are. You know, they're not going to go out and shock you. Um, they're going to win the games they're supposed to win. But moving forward, I'm not too high on the Sooners. Uh, next up here, we'll wrap up the first half with, with the Texas Longhorns. Um, uh, man, what happened to Texas? I mean, we saw this team, I think they started 3-1 and one or 4-1 and one or something like that in the Big 12. And then they tanked. I mean, Texas was a <laughs> Texas. What, what they were ranked number number four, I think, just like a month back. So they got that road win at Kansas when we all thought Kansas was good. Um, turns out Kansas isn't as good as we may have thought. 
And that's not a knock on Kansas. I'm sorry if you're a KU fan. KU's just not that good this year. So uh, Texas is, and Shaka Smart, this has been in his Achilles heel. T- Shaka Smart's got a hell of a talented team. There's no doubt about that. Shaka Smart's team is one of the most talented, not only in the Big 12, but across the country. Getting the best out of his team has been um, a negative for him. It's flat out, Shaka Smart gets talent. You know, he went back to back to back with Mo Bamba, Jericho Sims, and Jared Allen in the NBA. I think they were all lottery picks. Back to back to back. He can get the talent. And if you want to say, I've heard people say this, that Chaka Smart's not a good fit for Texas, then leave. If he's not a good fit, then get out of there. Okay, he was fine at VCU. Is he hanging his hat on that Final Four run that he had with the Rams? Sure, he, he might be a little bit, but if he's having more success there, then go there. Go to that mid-major school where you, where you can get those guys that work hard, and it's not all about talent. Okay, at Texas, it's all about talent. That's what. That's all that they care about. It's all about the money. It's all about the talent. It's all about getting that Texas brand. You know, I want to go play for Texas. I don't care who's coaching. I'm going to play for Texas. Whereas for VCU, you go play there. I'm going to play for VCU because I like this coach for who he is. And he sees something in me. And I see something in him. So that's just, I, I'm getting off track a little bit here uh, with Shaka Smart. But, man... His, team, his team's gotten worse. You can't deny that. And this has been an issue for Shaka Smart um, a lot in, 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 for his time in Austin. You know, you look at um, a few years back, they lost to North... Pardon me, they beat North Carolina in the non-con. Things were looking really good. And then they went downhill. Same things happened here with the Longhorns. However, the, the computers, the metrics still like Texas... Um, Texas is actually number 23 in net, Ken Palm, and BPI. All of them got them at 23, so there is some consistency there uh, with the computer models, but it's just, it's tough, man. It's it's tough for Texas. It's tough for me to buy into them, and I remember saying this on a radio show a month or, month or two back when they were looking really good. I was saying, man, it's tough to buy in on this team because it's Shaka Smart. It's Texas. They're, they're, and this is kind of like Oklahoma. I think they're a good team. They're, they've got some pieces there. I just don't know how high that ceiling is in March Madness. That's my speculation. That's my opinion. I, I just don't know how how good they can be. You, you know, go back a few years ago, Kerwin Roach, I think, got suspended like three times in his, I think it was like three times in his season at Texas. And Shaka Smart just kept playing him. It's like, You've got to have some sort of leadership, and you got to lay down the law a little bit when you're a leader, because Roach is one of the best players on that team. You've got to say, hey, stop it or you're gone. Um, I think Shaka is not getting the best out of his players. He's got talent, 100%, no doubt about that, um, but he needs to do better moving forward. So that's how Texas stands. I mean, they've got one of the best big men. I mean, heck, I'm trying to think right now. I don't know if you can name a better big man in the Big 12 than... And Jericho Sims. I mean, Culver, maybe? But he's got such a talented team. He's got one of the best freshmen in the country. It's definitely hard. You know, Andrew Jones, we all know the story with him. Um, it's frustrating, I'm sure, if you're a Texas fan, that it hasn't all come together. I think there's a chance that they could make a deep run simply because of the talent that they have. But at the same time, this could be uh, a team that gets bumped in the first round. I, re- I do believe that. We'll see what happens with Texas moving forward. 
Um, that's that's pretty much all that I've got. They're four and six against Quadrant One teams, so they're not the best at the the good teams. But I think Texas only has six or seven losses on the year, so they are winning those games that they're supposed to win. But that'll be it here uh, for the first half of the podcast. Next up, we'll talk about Kansas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, and then we'll also br- briefly touch on. Uh, and I mean this briefly, very bl- briefly, if I can speak today, we'll touch on TCU, K-State, and Iowa State as they've got no chance to go dancing, but we'll talk about them for just a sec. Uh, be right back here after a quick break on the 10 of 12 podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back in here to the 10 of 12 podcast. I am your host, Ryan Gilbert. Second half of the show coming your way as we continue to talk some Big 12 bracketology. Next up is Kansas. And boy, this is crazy. Um, Kansas, this is the second half of the show, and this is the first that we're talking about Kansas. That shows you how crazy this season has been for Kansas. Right now, they're on the four seed line uh, right there with Texas. Um, the numbers... Net rankings got them at 17, BPI at 21, and Ken Palm at 24. So they're in a good spot, and I know that if you're a KU fan listening to this, you've probably been pretty frustrated with the way this season has gone. I don't blame you. This has not been Kansas basketball. You're not you're not used to losing like this, and I get that. Uh, welcome to pretty much every other team in the uh, you know fan of any Big 12 teams world. You know what I'm saying. Um, KU's been surging, though. Lately, I think they've won five of the last six games. Um, they are surging. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say surging. They're clicking at the right time. I do want to be fair, though. Two of those wins were against Iowa State. One was against Kansas State. Are they playing good? Yeah. Would I take it with a grain of salt? Absolutely. I don't know how good this team really is playing. Um, they got a you know they had a good chance to win that game at Texas the other night. I think that was Tuesday night. And they blew it, and Texas came out of there with the win. So uh, they could easily be on a six-game winning streak right now, but it was snapped at five in Austin. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing to point out with Kansas is, uh, and, and Jeff Goodman pointed this out a few months back when they, I think that was when they played Gonzaga, so like one of the first games of the season, is do they have enough scores? Do they have enough talent on this team? Okay, Marcus Garrett 
is the fifth leading scorer for Kansas. Now, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Coming into the season, if you were to tell me that, I would say that's bad. That's terrible. Marcus Garrett needs to be the leader of this team. However, right now, with you know, with the way the season has kind of played out, I think that's a, it's, it's okay. You know, Garrett's facilitating the floor. He's playing exceptional defense, and he's, and he's letting some of his other teammates score. I don't think it's that bad of a, a, a an issue for Kansas. You know, Abaji's been big. Christian Brown, when he can score, KU has a good chance of winning. You know, Wilson's been big. McCormick's been big. Um, so it hasn't just had to be Garrett down the stretch. So that's key. I think that KU, it's it's tough, man. They've definitely, Bill Self gives them a high ceiling. Okay, I don't care how bad this team has looked throughout the season because, trust me, they've looked bad in some games, but they've got a weapon by the name of Bill Self. And can they get bounced in the first weekend? Sure. Could they make a run towards the Elite Eight? I don't doubt that. I mean, right now they're on the four line. They're 5-8 against Quadrant 1 teams, so that's not pretty, but it's still Kansas. And obviously you're wearing that on the front of your jersey uh, you know, the intimidation factor in March Madness. You, you've got two things that go on. One, you're not intimidated at all. You say, hey, I've waited my whole life for this. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to beat Kansas. Or you're like, whoa, I'm, go- I, I'm going up against Kansas. Boy, this is nerve-wracking, right? So it can go either way um, when you're facing the Jayhawks. I wouldn't be surprised either way if they get bumped or they can make a run. Neither would shock me. Um, I, I think that they need... Kansas, they need to just play Bill Self basketball. And that's the thing. Bill Self's teams get better as seasons progress. 100%. They get better. So are they clicking at the right time, or have they just been beating lesser opponents? Coming up here, they've got Baylor again on Saturday. I believe that that'll that'll be a great game. And we'll see. Does KU need to win that game for me to be sold? No. Do they need to compete? Yes. And Baylor's going to be shorthanded. You know, they're going to be rusty. That is an opportunity for Kansas to really propel them as the calendar turns to March. So we'll see what happens with Kansas. Uh, right now they're on the four line. I'd expect them to stay there. I mean, I don't know if you're the if you're the committee. How can you put KU past the five line? I mean, it's Kansas. They can't be a six seed. You know, you need that that marquee. It's just good for your brand of the of the NCAA tournament, right? You can't have them as as, as a six seed. So. We'll see what happens. No matter how how good or bad they do, I'd say they're a four or five team. Um, I, I I personally don't see how you can get them onto the three line simply because of their quadrant one. Like I said, five and eight against the best teams according to the net rankings. So KU's in a good position. I think that they were slipping. They got it back. They got their mojo back, uh, and the Jayhawks are going to be fine uh, on Selection Sunday. Um, moving forward here, Texas Tech. They're on the five line. Uh, net rankings. Love them. 19. BPI loves them even more at 12. Ken Palm's not so optimistic at 25, but still. Uh, I love Texas Tech as well. They're 4-7 and seven against Quadrant 1 teams. Um, and I know, I get it. This team is 6-7 and seven in the Big 12. Which, if <laughs> if you were to tell me that, let's uh, uh, say a month and a half ago, I'd call you crazy. There's no way in God's earth that Texas Tech's going to have a losing record. What day is it? The 25th of February? No way. No way. But here they are. Here they are. And that shows you how good, um, you know, Texas, pardon me, how good the Big 12 is. 
I mean, their last win was February 6th. They had um, some postponements, and then I think they're on a three-game losing streak. So they haven't won in almost a month, which is crazy, um, given how good that team is. And I believe that that was against Kansas State. I could be wrong, but um, I, I and this is I said this on on, on our on our Go Power Cat Insiders podcast uh, earlier this week. I think Texas Tech has as high of a ceiling as anyone in the Big Twelve outside of Baylor. And I was called crazy by our own Jay Heidrich, <laughs> who said, uh, well, I guess I was called crazy for saying Mac McClung um, is someone who I would really love to have on my team over anyone in the Big 12. He called me crazy and said, hey, Jared Butler, sure, that's a, that's fair. But uh, you look at Baylor, they've got so many pieces. Mitchell's a really good player. Macy Oteague, heck of a player. You, you know, Butler's, of course, a really good player, but they've got a lot of pieces to complement each other. I think Texas Tech, you've got Mac McClung, and then you've got a, a big step back to your Kevin McCullers of the world and your Marcus Santos Silvas of the world. So Texas Tech, I, I I think they have a high ceiling for two reasons. One, Mac McClung, he's proven in this league that he can hit game-winning shots. He's got the, the clutch factor to him. And then number two, you've got Chris Beard. Okay, no one expected Chris Beard. No one. Nobody expected him to go to the Elite Eight a few years back, and then the very next season go to the championship game where they ultimately, in my mind, should have won if the refs didn't bail out Virginia. So they've got weapons on the court and on the on the, the coaching bench, on the seat, on the on the chair, <laughs> on the on the floor. If you saw Chris Beard uh, fall to the floor as he was kind of he was he was showing the officials a, a technical foul that or a timeout. I don't know what the play was. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure you saw it on Twitter. Um, no matter where Chris Beard is, that's bottom line. He's a good coach, and he's got my utmost respect as one of the up and coming coaches in college basketball. Um, don't doubt Tech. I think they've got a really high ceiling. Outside of Baylor, I would pick them over Oklahoma. I'd pick them over West Virginia. I'd pick them over Kansas. I'd pick them over anyone in the Big 12 apart from Baylor. I mean, the, the record's 6-7, and seven, but the numbers don't lie. BPI has them ranked 12th. Even though they're a five seed right now, according to Joe Lenardi, the BPI loves them. Net rankings, top 20. Ken Palm, top 25. Texas Tech is going to surprise some people in March Madness, okay? Chris Beard's got his guys ready. And these guys are not really that used to being on a big stage like that. You, you know, you look back a few years ago, it was like Davine Moretti, um, who came from Italy. And you've got guys like, oh boy, what was that guy's name? The guy that transferred from North Dakota or South Dakota. Um... You know, it's just, uh, man, I can't remember his name, but it's like you're thinking to yourself, you're filling out your bracket. You're like, okay, no way these guys have the potential to go deep. And sure enough, they go and make, you know, the Elite Eight in the championship game. So I love the ceiling of Texas Tech. Same thing right now. I get it. Mac McClung from Georgetown maybe hasn't been on that big stage, but he's still a transfer that Chris Beard sought after and and utilized the portal, portal very well. Uh, Santos Silva, another really good newcomer in the league this year. So I like what Chris Beard's got going. A very high ceiling in Lubbock for the Red Raiders. I would buy stock right now because this team is 6-7. and seven. They're only going to go up from here. I would bet a lot of money on that. Uh, last team that we've got to talk about here is Oklahoma State. Um, real quick, before we do talk about the Cowboys, um, I think that we got to touch on the NCAA situation going on with Mike Boynton's squad. Uh, they're in. As far as I'm concerned, they're in, unless something crazy happens with the NCAA. 
making a decision between now and and what is it March 16th or 17th which selects, which one selects on Sunday and that within less than a month here unless the committee decides to confirm their case on Oklahoma State the Cowboys will be dancing and I talked about this with Kansas I think this was like last year when they got hit with their allegations right these things take a long time especially the appeal process so Oklahoma State is going to be good as long as they continue to appeal it this season. They're going to be dancing. That's the status quo. Unless something crazy happens, that's how that's how it's going to be. So now that we've now that we've addressed that, let's get into uh, let's get into the Cowboys here. Net rankings got them at 37. Ken Palm at 38. BPI all the way back at 56. So I think this team's solid. I think that they're an eight nine matchup. I think that's where they belong. I don't know if they. Are worse than that. I don't know if they're better than that. I think that's a good spot for them. Um, I think that you've got to start talking about Cade Cunningham. Now, before people start coming at me, I would like to say, yes, he's a good athlete. Yes, he's a great athlete. Will he be a good NBA player? Yes, 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 yes. I get all that. I get it. But is he an elite athlete? No. Okay, I saw this guy, Cade Cunningham, come to Manhattan and get outscored by a walk-on. He scored like five points against a K-State team that was shorthanded that had six scholarship players. They had eight players overall. That's why you saw K-State playing a walk-on, like meaningful minutes in a Big 12 game, because they were that shorthanded. So number one, Cade Cunningham should have had a field day going up against that shorthanded Wildcat squad. Number two, how do you get outscored by a walk-on? How do you score? I think it was like five points for, for Cunningham and six points for Petrakis. How does the nation's number one prospect get outscored by a walk-on? Give me a break. It's always fun when you watch, let's say, TCU versus West Virginia on a Tuesday night and Oklahoma State played the night before, whatever. It's always fun to predict when and how the announcers are going to somehow Work Cade Cunningham into their broadcast. That has nothing to do with the game. Nothing. It's ridiculous. It is so annoying. It's insane. It is insane how much ESPN talks about Cade Cunningham. They do it all the time. You've got to have your player. You've got to have your Trey Young. You've got to have your, your Ben Simmons, whoever it may be. I get that. ESPN singles out somebody and is in bed with them. I get it. You need someone to do that too. But Cade Cunningham is not your guy. Is he a good player? Yes, I know. I get that. But come on. He got outscored by a shorthanded walk-on. I, I guess I shouldn't say a shorthanded walk-on. A shorthanded team that had to play a walk-on. When a team is shorthanded and you're one of the best players in the country, you should be dropping 25. And I saw it. K-State ran out of gas. They were <laughs> K-State had a good chance to beat Oklahoma State. And then they hit the wall because they were so shorthanded and out of breath and fatigued. All that stuff. So I don't want to hear any of that Cade Cunningham stuff anymore. Now that I've got that set aside, let's, let's continue to be negative regarding the, the Cowboys here. Mike Boynton, I've never been a fan of him. It's been all talk, no game for, for Boynton, if we're being honest. Fran Fischel loves him. Every announcer loves him. And the announcers, most announcers, I won't say all of them because some of those announcers sometimes don't know what they're talking about. <clears throat> Lance Blanks, excuse me. Um, most announcers do. So I'll give them credit. Like, Fran Fischel knows what he's talking about. If Fran says something, I more often than not trust him because he's a good guy. He knows what he's talking about. He knows 
this league like the back of his hand. However, it's been all talk, no game. I mean, what has Boynton done at Oklahoma State? Oh, wait, he has not done much. It's all hype and not a lot of, what's the word, production. Okay, what are they right now? I don't even know what their record is. I think they're 7-7 seven and seven or something like that. They're, they're average. They're an average team. So, is Boynton good? Sure. Is he great? No. He's not, I, I don't see, maybe in a few years he can get something really special going. But guess what? Cade Cunningham's going to be gone. You're going to have to start over again, kind of, a little bit. I know you got Rondell Walker. I know you've got some pieces. Isaac Likely will be back next year. Um, and, and, and speaking of Likely, I mean, that's a guy that I really thought was going to make a, a huge step forward this season. I haven't seen it. Uh, he just recently missed two games with a foot injury. Um, and this is something I harped on a lot last season. If Likely was healthy, Oklahoma State would have had a good chance to make the NCAA tournament. But he wasn't. He was bothered with sickness all year, and he was never on the same page. So I feel bad for the kid, and I thought he was going to make a big step forward this year. And I think that Cunningham's kind of stolen the limelight a little bit away from him. Um, at the same time, though, I thought Likely would be a little bit better this season for Oklahoma State. So that's pretty much all I've got for him. I mean, they're an 8 seed right now. There's That's pretty much where they belong on the 8-9 matchup. I think they'll have a decent chance to win that game, sure, and then probably get knocked out by Gonzaga or Michigan or whoever that one seed that they play is. So not that high of a ceiling for Oklahoma State. They're probably going to win a game and get bounced. Cade Cunningham, I mean, I, the, the thing with Cade Cunningham, it's like, okay, does this, does this guy really care? I mean, he didn't. he doesn't look engaged often, and I get it. You've got your money in the bag, so to speak, next year in the draft, but I mean, you're, what is it, his uncle or cousin, someone who's on the coaching staff for Oklahoma State, play for them, act like you care, man, come on March Madness time, I would like to see a little better sense of urgency from the freshman phenom in college basketball, that's pretty much all that we've got here, um, TCU, they're not going dancing, I'm sorry if you're a Horn Frog fan uh, and I, I feel bad for TCU, I do, okay, K-State and Iowa State zero chance this season that they would go dancing TCU, I'm intrigued Think if the Big 12 was average. Think if Texas didn't have that hot start. Think if Texas Tech didn't have Mac McClung. Think if Baylor wasn't so dominant. Think if West Virginia wasn't emerging lately. Think if the Big 12 was just average. The Horned Frogs would have a good chance to go dancing. Not a great one, but they'd have a good chance to sneak around the bubble and maybe, you know, need to win, let's say they're a six seed. They need to beat the three seed in the Big 12 tournament to get into the big dance. You know, one so of those situations. I'm not saying it would happen because that loss of Desmond Bain from last season's big, but I, it's something to think about. TCU would have had a chance if the Big 12 wasn't just loaded this year. They're an average team in a normal conference. If TCU's playing in the ACC, they're average. But they're playing in the Big 12, and that kind of sucks to be Jamie Dixon. So I, I, I don't know what to say about K-State or Iowa State. Better days are ahead. I, I, I do believe that for both teams. Uh, you know, Iowa State's been banged up. K-State's been banged up. Xavier Foster's going to come back next season stronger than ever for the Cyclones. You know, K-State's, I'm sure you've heard all, I've, I've, I've talked about it a lot over the last couple of months on Go Power Cats, so won't talk about them at all. That's pretty much it here for the podcast, and I hope you enjoyed this one. This one's a little different, just talking about where these teams kind of stand heading into March Madness. And like I, I, talk, like I talked about early in the show, I, I want to see them succeed because if we only get one or two teams coming out of the first weekend, people are going to say the Big 12 wasn't that good this year, and that might honestly be true. 
I mean, I don't know. It, is it? We'll see what happens, man. I think Baylor, they're going to get out of the first weekend. I think Texas Tech will. And if you can get your Oklahomas, your West Virginias, your Kansas, your Texas, what are those? What are those teams? Get yourself three teams to get out of the first weekend, and I'll be happy. We'll see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.